1: Uh, divisional weekend, four pretty good football games, uh, which is how it should be. You're reminded that the NFL is king in this country. And even with Jordana not watching the NFL for her personal reasons, they still seem to succeed. Uh, Brian Murphy joins us from, uh, bring me the news. I, I did watch last night. Oh.
2: The boys in my house wanted to watch.
1: Uh, pretty good. Two really good games yesterday. And Brian, we got to start with. I guess can you claim do you still say are they still your Detroit Lions? Uh, a lot more of Lions fans coming out of the woodwork now, but I I'll tell you what, seeing Detroit win yesterday and the excitement in that stadium, uh that's that's a pretty good feel good story.
3: It is. And I, I, I'm not gonna be uh as arrogant to say they're my lions. I mean I had <laughs> sort of disavowed now, I wouldn't say disavowed, I've just kind of ignored them for the last twenty plus years. But uh I With have good reason.
1: <laughs> with good reason. And
3: I, you know, I, I elbowed my way onto the bandwagon the last couple of weeks and uh, everybody back home tells me there's plenty of room. So everybody's on board. Uh, look, they're playing with house money now. I don't think anybody expects them to go out to San Francisco and beat the, beat the top rated uh, or top ranked NFC team on the road in the NFC championship game. However, just the way, you know, Green Bay, was really competitive and, and and was within striking distance to, until the very end. The 49ers looked a little bit vulnerable. The Lions, of course, got a ton of momentum with two big home wins. You know, the first time they've had two home games in a postseason in 67 years. They haven't won two games in the postseason since 1957, which was the last time they actually won an NFL title, 10 years before the Super Bowl debuted. So there's a lot of firsts and a lot of uh, – a lot of reckonings going on in Detroit, and it is a feel good uh, story, but they are a, a really good team that's on the rise. So I, I give them a decent chance out in San Francisco. I still expect the 49ers to prevail, but yeah. but the way Green Bay is, has kind of rebounded late in the season and performed in the postseason, uh, Minnesota is looking up at Detroit in Green Bay yes. right now in the NFC North.
1: <clears throat> For sure. And I agree with you. And, and uh, you know, maybe it's the weak layoff that the 49ers had, but, you know, Brock Purdy didn't look that great, and but again, you got Christian McCaffrey, who's a superstar, and I mean, there are a lot of targets on that team, but you just you never know what could happen. Uh, uh, Detroit, I mean, we've seen stranger things happen, and man, Dan Campbell, he's like, you remember it was three years to the day yesterday where he had that press conference and he's talking about biting kneecaps, and everybody in the sports world is like, who the hell is this guy? Like another mead head coach. But, boy, he's got that team really uh, believing in him. And I saw a stat yesterday, too. Not only the coach, but the general manager of the Lions. Forgive me, I don't know who that person is. But uh, taking a look at their 2023 draft class, I mean, Gibbs is a stud. Uh, and, it, I mean, that you look at what Quacy uh, has done here, nothing even close. So, bravo to the Lions and in the, in the direction they're moving.
3: Yeah, they, you know, unlike the Vikings who have tried to patch it together and keep the train rolling, uh, competitive rebuild, the Lions tore it all down three years ago and yeah. started over and have leveraged that draft capital and that, that new plan. Uh, the, I mean, it's certainly bearing fruit, but it does, it, it should serve notice. You mentioned the young roster. They're, uh, Ben Johnson, their, their hotshot offensive coordinator and Aaron Glenn, their, their strong defensive coordinator. One, if not both, may pursuing some of these NFL jobs unless they dry up quicker. Uh, They're going to, you know, teams are now starting to take notice of what they've accomplished, not just, you know, performing on the field, but how they prepared, how their schemes have worked. Uh, It's been in my lifetime, I've never remembered the Lions actually driving a trend uh, offensively or defensively. So that's been interesting to see, too.
1: In uh, the AFC, again, we're reminded that Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, and uh, the Bills-Chiefs uh, that has become quite a, quite a rivalry. And we've got a missed kick wide right, uh, just for uh, pain the pain for more more pain for Bills fans. But and I know that uh, the Baltimore Ravens are kind of the class of the uh, AFC. But uh, why would you bet against Patrick Mahomes at this point?
3: Well, it's the, the Chiefs are the reigning champions, and Patrick Mahomes is the, the best money player in the NFL right now. So, I, it, until Baltimore, and Baltimore is equipped certainly to take that mantle from Kansas City, but until they do, uh, I'm riding the Chiefs all the way as well. I, you know, you mentioned the Bills. Boy, they, they, they are probably now. You know, after their four Super Bowl losses in the early to mid '90s, but now with the last five years, how they have been unable to get over that hill, even getting a home game, and digging themselves out of another blizzard in Buffalo. You know, Patrick Mahomes had not played a road playoff game, right. which seems kind of incredible. Other than the neutral site Super Bowls, it was his first road playoff game in a very tough environment, and he was as you know icy and money as you can get. He's now thirteen and three in the postseason. Think of that. He's He is one dominant regular season record in the playoffs. Um, And the Chiefs now are in their sixth straight AFC championship game. I mean, they are the class of the AFC. They're the class of the NFL right now uh, until somebody knocks them off. It was a great game. I think there were about five lead changes. It was never more than a field goal. Uh, It was always less than a touchdown. And you mentioned poor Tyler Bass, 44 yards, a chance to tie the game. He pushes it wide right, which is exactly what – Scott Norwood did 30 plus years ago in that Super Bowl, and you really got a feel for Buffalo fans. They are as snake bitten as they as they come. They're still in a good position. They still have Josh Allen. They're still a class team in the AFC. Uh, but you wonder with them in Cincinnati, how many and how many more opportunities they're going to get they're going to get uh, to come over that hump and, and maybe bring a Super Bowl championship to Buffalo. It's still Kansas City and Baltimore right now. The two best teams in the AFC. Not a surprise that they're matched up next week.
2: Brian, I want to ask about Nick Dunlap and this whole golf thing because I got a lot of questions. But before I do that, what does snake bitten as they come mean? I
3: don't. Uh, just cursed. Yeah. Oh, you know, always. You know, know always... about
1: that here in these parts of the country. Okay. Uh, we, 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 but Buffalo, you might. They might have a Buffalo might have it over uh, the Viking fans.
2: All right, now I know yeah, the. I
3: I don't know. You know, it's just how do you compare misery? You know, what's right. the misery in <laughs> it? Both teams, it have been to, both teams have been to and lost all four Super Bowls they've been to. And they both had biblical losses in playoff games since then. So, uh, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. I think Buffalo and Minnesota right now are about as cursed as it gets in the NFL.
2: Okay. Could we talk about this Nick Dunlap person? Cool. And for those who haven't heard this story, uh, University of Alabama sophomore – became the first amateur to win a PGA Tour since Phil Mickelson in 1991. Yep. Now, apparently, this is what gets me. He won the tour event, but he can't collect the 1.5 million dollar first place prize. Uh, I have a lot of questions. First, how is an amateur uh, allowed to play? And then why can't he get his money, Brian?
3: We'll start with the second question first because he's an amateur.
0: <laughs> he's an How amateur was he allowed playing play, for the though? love of the game. Oh,
1: been, <laughs> others, the golf is a, is a great sport in that way, it allows amateurs to compete. Really?
2: Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, Even in
1: major tournaments, there's amateurs.
3: He definitely qualified his way in. Yeah, I mean, he's qualified. the reigning U.S. Yep. Open champion. Um, and now with this win, he's got exemptions to the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open. I mean, he can play. Uh, but as long as he is uh, enrolled at the University of Alabama and has not filed for his PGA Tour card, he is considered an amateur. So the 1.5 million dollar first prize went to the second place winner, the guy from South Africa. His name escapes me uh who he beat but yeah it, it is a great story and you know if, if you if you're not following golf which i don't normally accept for the majors mm-hmm. i till waking up this morning i'd never even heard of this kid mm-hmm. um so he wins the american express tournament which had been known as the bob hope classic for decades it's out in palm palm desert california 20 years old sophomore at alabama as you mentioned first amateur since phil mickelson who won the Tucson Open in 1991, and he's only the third amateur to win on the PGA Tour in the last 67 years. This is a huge story. Uh, He was the only amateur playing in the weekend out there, 156 players, 155 were PGA pros. He shot a 60 on Saturday, uh, which is an amazing round, and got him on the map, and he had his worst round of the weekend yesterday, only shot 70, but by then he was already 29 over, and he was able to hold off Uh, all of the challengers i mean it's it's a great story he literally had homework from his uh sophomore classes at alabama with him on this trip. so now he's 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 deciding whether he's gonna either just turn pro now and and put off his eligibility uh he's scheduled to play this weekend in torrey pines which is in san diego at the next pga tour event he's got some major decisions uh to make in the next coming days but uh Kind of a breath of fresh air considering all the the talk of the PGA and live out of Saudi Arabia and the money grubbing and, you know, the race to the bottom of, of, of who's morally and, uh, repugnant and who's not. It's just been a tough couple of years for pro golf, and this was kind of a nice story.
1: Uh, Joe Maurer um surprised at the that the sure seems like he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer i think i think if you look at his numbers you many would agree hall of fame but i don't think a lot of people saw first ballot hall of fame coming now again that still could change we don't know yet for sure but um what do you think of that
3: yeah the results will be announced tomorrow based on some public polling that's already out there he's trending pretty well for this um I, you know, I think it's a, a scenario where we have to, we here in Minnesota have to kind of remove ourselves a little bit yep. because we're so emotionally attached to Joe, of course, the St. Paul kid. But then the way his career ended, there was a lot of, you know, some some harsh feelings too, I think, among the fans who thought for some reason he was ripping the team off for uh, all those years because he had that, that market value contract he was able to secure while his his health and his and his statistics were kind of declining on the back half of that. But nationally – among all the writers in the country, Mauer's got a great reputation. And and really, it's because he's a Hall of Fame catcher. He didn't complete his career as a catcher. But what he accomplished in the first part of his career as a catcher was phenomenal. I mean, three batting titles, no catcher's ever done that before. Six-time All-Star, he won a gold glove. He was the 2009 American League Most Valuable Player. Um. I think maybe the twins' lack of playoff success with him and also again that slow decline after he suffered concussions and, and relegated him more to DH in first base, he became more of an average ball player after that. But the first eight, nine years of his career, maybe even ten, I mean he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory just as a catcher, and I think that's what's kind of elevated him in the national perspective and gotten him on the verge of becoming yeah a first ballot Hall of Famer, which you're right. It doesn't happen very often and really quick. I mean, if he, if he does get in, this is as much a St. Paul story as anything. He'll join Paul Molitor, Dave Winfield, and Jack Morris as four kids from St. Paul who grew up within a two mile radius. Granted, there's a generation Mm -hmm. gap with Maurer, but think of that. I mean, St. Paul is not a baseball hotbed and you're going to have four Hall of Famers, uh, with distinct careers, uh, that grew up right around each other.
1: Brian, can we? we I want to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back if you can hang on. I want to ask you about uh, the demise of Sports Illustrated. Is that all right? Sure. All right. Yeah. That's no ca- coming up next.
2: Last Friday, staffers at Sports Illustrated were notified of massive layoffs. Some immediately, others going to be gone in the next three months. So, Brian, Sports Illustrated was iconic. You know, for my Every first husband, Thursday. for my son, even for, I used to read Rick Riley sitting on the toilet. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but like, I loved Rick. And I mean, for Rick
1: appreciates it, that reference. Know, sorry.
2: We yeah, love you, Rick. But I mean, is it going to really be gone? What's the story about Sports Illustrated? Is it totally going away?
1: Sign of the times.
3: Yeah, it's a little confusing as of right now. But I mean, to be frank, I mean, Sports Illustrated as as the iconic brand and magazine and and. Sports journalism standard that we all know has been gone for years. I mean, at least five. It's kind of been caught up in the, uh, the brand has been cycled through a bunch of different parent companies and content management uh, schemes and content sharing arrangements. And it's, it's been watered down to the point where, I mean, it was printing monthly, but I I can't remember the last time I even saw a copy of sports illustrated floating around most, if not all of its, uh, Top-notch writers uh, have moved on. Uh, what it's really kind of become is a little bit more of a content farm, and, and you got some young folks, and, and I'm generalizing here, but in markets that are just producing copy but aren't really go. It's not the in-depth cover story, no. big event happened. I want to see what Sports Illustrated says, both in its coverage and also its photos and its context you know, as you mentioned, Adam, I mean, yeah, that was something to wait, that in the sporting news, which I grew up reading as well. Uh-huh. Uh, Newsweek, I mean, you know, news magazines, weekly news magazines are like newspapers. I mean, they're relics. That's not how we consume uh, media anymore in this country. But it's sad that it, it, it sort of has become a Frankenstein brand that, you know, all these companies recognize the power of SI and Sports Illustrated and what it means, but it's what it was, and yep. it's not what it is anymore. And they're opening up you know gift shops and 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 vacation resorts themed that's of sports illustrated but that's not what sports illustrated was or should be which is quality journalism and now it's just sort of a brand that's being kicked around as a as a bargaining chip and a and, a, and an asset among all these companies trying to figure out what to do with it next but it doesn't sound like there's going to be a lot of original content produced anytime
1: soon well, they got busted, what was that, like a month ago or a couple months ago when they, yes. had a- they were doing AI, doing AI? AI
2: reporting. reporting. That was terrible. Oh <laughs> My God.
3: Under the Under the Sports Illustrated flag, which yes. is, is nothing for, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's like, you know, selling, you know, Salisbury steak under the label of a yes. Capitol yes. Grill steak. Yeah. You know, it's just,
1: it's not the same. so embarrassing. Uh, I know. There's a place for Salisbury steak <laughs> if you know you're getting Salisbury steak. I mean,
2: All
3: right, Brian. Yeah, if, think- if your expectations are low and you're hungry and you know what that's, you're getting into, that's
1: bad, bad, brother.
2: It's, and you need a lot of sodium. I pride
1: myself on low expectations. <laughs> yes, sir.
2: Brian Murphy. Oh, thanks for staying on a yeah, little thanks, longer Brian. with us and doing so many different stories with us today.
0: Appreciate you.
3: Yeah, no problem. Have a good week, everyone. You got thanks. it.
1: Brian Murphy from Bring Me the News and Purple Insider.